Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Excited to be back with you all here today. I've got Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy with me. We're very appreciative of Brant and Cam and our intern Andrew for uh, being out at Glensmith Buick GMC on Friday for that event in Opelika supporting Dadeville Strong, the Dadeville community. Uh, appreciate everyone that went out to that event, even if uh, you did not stop by the, the, the table we had. Uh, we really uh, appreciate all those efforts to and try and uh, help that community go through the, the difficult time that they're going through right now. Uh, we are back in studio here this afternoon. Again, we'll have a full show for you today. We'll have Kevin Ives on at 4 o'clock. Uh, he will talk a big Auburn baseball series victory against Mississippi State, one that they absolutely had to have, one that was not looking to be in good shape through the middle innings yesterday. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about that with him. We'll also talk and update you about all the portal news, so a lot more uh, basketball and football stuff to talk about as basketball continues to, to round out their roster, an important deadline passed yesterday. We'll also talk a little bit about some changes to college football, rule changes to college football, um, changes that, again, people not exactly uh, having glowing reviews of. And uh, we'll, we've talked a little bit about the proposed rules maybe a couple months ago as they came up, and one, one or two of them are now official. So we'll go over that with you. Of course, we'll take all of our phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line and nightly TV guide, a best and worst of the weekend a little bit later. A lot to do here on this Monday edition of the show. Ryan, Tom, and Brant here today. I'll start with Brant. Again, thank you for going out there, good sir. I hope uh, everyone had a good time out there and also uh, able to do something meaningful for the Dadeville cause. But again, appreciate you being out there. Hope you're doing well today. Yeah, man, doing great. And like you said, being out there just hosting the show is always a good time. But uh, the reason we were out there was the the yeah, I mean the the reason you know and. Uh, being a part of that was a lot of fun. A big thanks to uh, Katie Whittlesey, the president of the Community Foundation of East Alabama. She stopped by and and actually did a, a, about 15 minutes or so with us and was uh, a great interview. And, and please, if you haven't listened to that, please go and do it. It's at the start of the third hour. You can listen to it on the Sports Call podcast from Friday's show. But uh, just a, a great a great event uh, and a great time that we had at, at that event and uh, certainly – I think they said they raised over thirty thousand. They had at that point raised over thirty thousand dollars for that fund, uh, and the the goal was to keep going. Uh, and they're they're do, they're doing great stuff over there for the uh, the Community Foundation of East Alabama. But yeah, great weekend in sports. Uh, Auburn batted ball sports had a heck of a day on Sunday. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, college football rule changes that were announced on Friday, but we actually weren't able to get into. So we'll talk about them for the first time uh, on today's show. A bad weekend for the Braves. 
that I'm sure we'll we'll spend a segment on. Avoid like the plague. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> yes, we'll touch well, on it. Well, eh, you know, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, all in all, a, a good weekend and uh, excited to be back in studio today. And then Tom Peavy also joining us. Tom, I hope you had a great weekend, sir. I did. Uh, was a great weekend, and was a great weekend, like uh, Brent said, for the the batted sports teams here at Auburn with the two big series wins. And yeah, the Auburn one was definitely not looking good on Sunday when you go down seven to nothing and you start thinking about the bullpen woes. And you know that one's probably going to get really ugly pretty soon. And Auburn kept fighting and fighting and ended up getting that walk off win. And a, and a series win that Auburn desperately, desperately had to have. If they want any chance of getting to the postseason, uh, they they needed to get that one, and they did because uh, it, it gets tougher coming up with South Carolina and LSU on the horizon. So uh, great for that. Great victory for Auburn softball over Alabama. First time uh, Auburn has taken a series over Bama since 2018, and I think the first time in Tuscaloosa since 2017. So uh, ended some droughts there against the uh, – the vaunted Crimson Tide softball team. And then uh, on top of that, took down Montana Fouts, who was arguably you know, one of the best or more renowned pitchers in college softball in, you know, in, in years. And Auburn took her down and Maddie Penta uh, for Auburn. Uh, another just great series in the uh, circle for them. So uh, good job there. Yeah, Braves, bad. Um, first time – First time they've been swept since twenty since twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. The Dodgers did it yeah, to them first, in twenty twenty one. First time they've lost four in a row since twenty twenty one as well. That, that's which is I, when you think of just baseball in general, that's an amazing run that you have not been swept in a series since twenty twenty one. But unfortunately, it happened this time around with the Astros. So. But yeah, a lot of stuff to get into, a lot of different moving parts with stuff going on. There's still transfer portal news out there, and yeah, there's a lot to get into. And so let's get into it, and we'll start with the bat ball sports a little bit with baseball. I won't go too deep into it because we will have Kevin on at four, but uh, Auburn was able to pick up the series victory against Mississippi State. Very important for uh, the SEC standings and very important for the NCAA tournament hopefuls. I think we talked a little bit about at the end of last week the fact that according to D1 Baseball, again, that's one service, kind of just how like Joe Lenardi is one person for bracketology, but uh, D1 Baseball certainly covers the sport of baseball as well as any, any service out there. And they had coming into the weekend last four in Mississippi State. First four out, Auburn. Auburn wins two out of three against Mississippi State. I'll be interested to see their updated bracketology. I don't think it's out yet. But very well could have jumped them at least over Mississippi State, if not into the field, according to, again, one service. Now, uh, still more baseball to be played. Three more uh, SEC series uh, for the Tigers. I guess no, uh, four more SEC series to go with the Tigers. Two are very winnable. Two are series they will need to win. They've still got three and fifteen Ole Miss left. Ole Miss has the worst record in the SEC, and that's a team that uh, was very highly picked to start the year. They've also got Missouri, who's last in the East. They've got South Carolina and LSU as the other two. So they've got the complete opposite end of the spectrums. Two of the very best in the entire country, and two possibly the two worst in the SEC. Yeah, and. You're looking at this against the good teams, you're looking to not get swept, and against the bad teams, you're looking to take two out of three. That's kind of 
where this Auburn team is right now. And it's a disappointing season, but it's still a season that you can pull something out of. They're, they're, and uh, it, the fact that you were able to take two out of three from that Mississippi State team means that the season is still alive. We talked to Kevin last week, and he talked about how important this series was if you want to try and make it to the postseason. Well, it looked dicey, like we've touched on, but you ended up going in, you got two out of three, and you ended up okay. So what you've got to do now is you've got to in, you've got to remain okay. You cannot drop any of these series to these bad teams or else that's going to hurt your resume even more. And, you know, it, this Auburn team doesn't really have a whole lot of room for error right now. Starting to see some glimmers of hope, not for the whole pitching staff, <laughs> clearly, but the a couple of starters. We saw – a second consecutive good start from Tommy Vale. Yeah. That's two straight starts where he's not allowed to run. And uh, that was a very low-scoring game Friday. That was shockingly low-scoring. You told me in a nutshell that Auburn was only going to score two runs in one of those games. I would have been very very, very likely to take Mississippi State in that when Auburn got a 2-1 to victory on Friday. And then before things really went downhill on Saturday, Christian Herberholz, uh, had a, a five-plus inning uh, shutout ball and a little bit more recent success there. But, again, I cannot speak for the bullpen because even Will Cannon was getting thumped around on Sunday. But at least with, and in particular, Tommy Vale, two really good starts in a row, confidence building. I'm not going to put all the eggs into that basket, but... Uh, something reassuring because other, you know, Will Cannon had done the best job out of the bullpen, but you can still only pitch those guys one, maybe twice in a series. So that in innings wise, they're going to end up throwing less than starter. And with Gonzalez out, I mean, it, you weren't even really getting to a good place in the bullpen, at least now with Vale back to back good starts. You, you're starting to gain some confidence with one of your starters. Yeah. Hopefully, Gonzalez can come back at some point. But again, very, I, I just something positive finally, I guess, to, to find out of that pitching staff, even amongst a weekend that we got off the tracks late. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tommyville was was spectacular in that in that uh, that opener, five innings pitch, only three hits, ten strikeouts. He had seven strikeouts through the first three innings of that game. I mean, just mowing them down. Unfortunately, Auburn did not have a hit until the fifth inning, I believe it was. Fifth or sixth yeah. inning of that. It was the fifth. Um, so, Cade Smith was also doing his thing on the mound for Mississippi State. But that that's what you have to have if you're Auburn. You've got Tommy Vell out there doing the thing. The offense is struggling. You have to have that, that you know, start and to, you know, to end up with ten strikeouts, just three walks. Uh, just an incredible, incredible outing by Tommy Vale, and then John Armstrong, Tanner Bauman, and uh, Will Cannon were able to come on and and keep Mississippi State at check in a game where your offense just could not figure it out. That's exactly what you had to have. Very dangerous though, because we know how sketchy that bullpen has been. But to have those three guys step up and, and take care of business in a game where offense was at a premium, that was that was big, and then that set you up. For the rest of the weekend, it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off when you can win that first one. Takes a little bit of pressure off moving forward. Unfortunately, uh, the the pitching woes kind of started rearing their head in the in the next couple of games, and it took the bats finally coming alive uh, to to make Auburn survive that one. And then we talked a little bit about it in the uh, moments leading up to the show. Cooper McMurray with five homers 
last week. They only played four. So he was very busy uh, at the plate. Another guy beyond Ike Irish and uh, Bryson Ware, who Bryson Ware had a, a, a key home run in that third game. But someone other than the old reliables this year now stepping up for the Tigers. McMurray is now solidly in second place on the team in home runs. Kirby has eight, but McMurray up to 10 homers in 71 at-bats, which is about half the amount of at-bats that guys like Irish and Ware and, and Cole Foster have had. He's already got 10. Mm-hmm. I think Auburn's found a, another – I don't even know if it's sneaky at this point – a really good power guy uh, to add to the lineup that was nor- t- near the bottom in home runs in the SEC, even despite Bryson Ware. So they they found another really good power option, it seems. Yeah. I And they have. they. Uh, the one thing that I – and I hate to – sound like a Debbie Downer. I mean, you're talking positives here, and, and that's great. And you're finding Tommy Vale has turned out to be great. Now you're finding these bats that are starting to come up. Okay, well, is it too little too late? That That's that's the question. We needed this early on in the season. Now, I'm not saying they're out of it. Obviously, be, winning that Mississippi State series was vital. But, man, you, you just – it. It kind of stings when you think about the potential of the team with these guys that have stepped up and are playing baseball at a very high level. I'm like, daggum. Kind of needed that a little bit earlier. You know, we're getting here towards the end of the season. We talked about, what, four four more series left? Four SEC series. Four yeah. SEC series. Um, you know, not to diminish anything, but, I mean, it would have been nice to have that early on. But if it's going to happen, then let's go. Because, you know, you've got – uh, well, I think South Carolina's number three. You you have yes. to you have to go there, and then number one LSU, a, just an absolute juggernaut of a team this year. You've still got those two series against them. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe maybe Auburn can get on a run here, and and that's baseball is very similar to what we talk about with basketball. It is you know you don't have to be hot at the beginning of the season, but if you can get hot at the end of the season, and you might be able to go on a run. And, and so that's the good thing with a guy like Tommy Vell starting to show out and some of these guys at the plate starting to show out. Yeah, you would have liked to have seen that early on, but you know what? If you're going to do it now is the time to do it. Get on a run, see if Auburn can't punch a ticket to the postseason, and then who knows? I mean, like I said, you get hot, you can get hot at the right time. I'm not calling you Debbie Downer. I do think, though, it is not too little too late right. because – this team has still with those four series left. There's seven eleven in league play, right. and we've talked with Kevin about the kind of magic numbers to get twelve, thirteen, or so conference wins. You just don't get left out if you're in the SEC. The path is very clear, in my opinion. They need to win two of three against Ole Miss and Missouri, who again three and fifteen and five and thirteen in the league. Yeah. Okay, that gets them to eleven conference wins, and you've got to find one. Right. in each of the South Carolina and LSU series. At home against LSU, I have a tendency to believe they're going to find one. At South Carolina this week, going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's easy, but I think it's very clear what they have to get uh, sure. do. If they get those six wins, they're up to 13 conference wins. They're up to 29 wins in the regular season. They've got three more midweek games. They take care of JSU, Troy, and Sanford. 32 wins overall. 13 and 17 in the SEC, they're in the NCAA tournament. Get you to a region. I, I feel they are in sure. the NCAA tournament. So, for that reason, I don't think it's too little too late, although I know I certainly understand this has not been the season anyone's wanted. And uh, coming off the heels of a College World Series, definitely not trending up in that regard. But they still have the opportunity to salvage what was looking like it could be a really bad season 
they've still got the opportunity to be okay and get in the NCAA tournament. So those are the positives they're trying to build off of. We'll talk to Kevin Ives a little bit later about some more of those positives. For now, though, we're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. We also have birthdays and sports coming up. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. We have a trade involving NFL draft capital. We will talk a lot of NFL draft this week. It will be one of the themes of the show. It will be like portal and draft, just key, key on those words, portal, draft. So Aaron Rodgers is finally a New York Jet. So... There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of words in this trade. I'll try and make it as clear and concise as I can. So Rodgers and a fifth-round pick and a first are going to the Jets. What the Jets are doing with the Packers is they're fl- flipping their first-round picks. The Jets will have pick number 15 now. The Packers will have pick number 13 now. Beyond that, again, the Jets get Rodgers' fifth-round pick. The Packers, beyond that pick swap, get the number 42 pick in this draft, which is early second. They get the six-round pick from the Jets this year, and they get a 2024 conditional pick, which becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, which we believe he will. So there's the trade. Any initial thoughts? I'm interested to see how Aaron Rodgers does in New York. I mean, he's been a Packer his entire life, but it seems like he's been he's been getting – slower as he gets older he's not in his prime anymore he's still a darn good quarterback not trying to take anything away from him there but he's been contemplating walking away and just retiring for like the past five years or something like that I I don't know how this works if it does work I think the Jets are a very good team but I just don't know I don't know how it works you know I don't know if it works I think that if we're getting into the nuts and bolts here I think this is a really wise move by the Jets because I don't know why Rodgers has not been able to get back to the Super Bowl in the last decade-plus in Green Bay. Some of it's on him, some of it's coaches, some of it's bad draft decisions. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, But for the Jets' point of view, 
they're playing in a division right now that gets that is very tough. Finally, it's a changing of the guard for them. It's not the Patriots anymore. Uh, it is Buffalo and then somewhat Miami competing in there. But the Jets football team, when you look at it and like what needs to improve, it was on offense and it was at quarterback. And everything to do with the passing game needed a little bit more talent at wide receiver, needed a quarterback. They had a really good defense. They have a pretty good offensive line. So they were a 500-ish team with just awful quarterback play. So now they're going to get really good quarterback play, at least for a year or two. Not long-term. This is very much a we-need-to-go-to-the-Super-Bowl or win-the-Super-Bowl in the next two years or we have failed this trade. But Rodgers is still insanely talented. I know he kind of had a less-than-stellar year last year. He was not that great with Green Bay last year. But the you're you're even if he is going to play like the tenth best quarterback in the league next year, you had about the thirtieth best quarterback play. You're getting a sizable increase. Absolutely. And we'll have to wait, see who they draft and who everyone else drafts and the last little key pieces of free agency and if guys like DeAndre Hopkins move and it's got a way to you know, to, to get the complete roster for all these teams, but on the surface, they are now a playoff team, clearly. They're going to compete at the top of that division. They might not be on Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati's level, but they might be the very next team. They might be fourth. And they, they've now got a real opportunity, and Rodgers is certainly experienced, will help the young team along, and they needed to do this pick-wise, what they gave up. Not bad. I mean, they flipped the first-round pick. They lost two spots in the draft. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> they gave up their second rounder. I, I don't even say they give up their sixth rounder because they got a fifth rounder in return. So they gave up their second rounder. And they gave up a pick next year. That's fine. That's fine. I, that's not. They didn't get fleeced. You know, this is this is fine. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not too bothered by the the draft capital here. And uh, we will we'll see who all these draft picks become. But on the surface, I think it's a pretty good. Pretty good deal for both teams. All right, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, one nine tiger 9 Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. First up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Doing great. I want to talk a little football. There's about three different things I would like to touch on. If y'all got time, we're going to see what we, have, what we can do with that. The first thing I wanted to mention, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but since that NIL money has been flowing nice and, and freely, you don't hear uh, of, of uh, a whole lot of athletes uh, coming up academically ineligible, didn't qualify for this, didn't qualify for that, uh, got to take a summer school class to get his hours in, or got to transfer to a junior college because of the grades. You ain't been hearing a whole lot of that. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know how prevalent those cases – I mean, I, I know they happen every year, but I feel like That's they true. don't – I don't feel like they happen in waves. I, I know for Auburn trying to recruit a quarterback out of the portal this year, it happened to them where they were going after Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, and Florida was too. And then McCall ended up going back to Coastal Carolina allegedly because of grades. And now he's trying to graduate by June. He has a couple more weeks to declare if he's going to get back in the portal or not. But there was some sort of deal where classes weren't going to translate or something. So I don't think that that issue is – Nolan Boyd. I just think that it goes in waves of, of, of for different schools. Different schools, it becomes relevant for a couple yeah. of years, and then you have a break for a couple of years where it doesn't end up happening that way. Yeah, I just, I just kind of noticed that it ain't been as heavy as it used to be. Uh, 
just that money is circulating. And what I was getting at, you know, if you think about it, uh, when you look at an Angel Reese or, or some of the top people like a Bryce Young, just using it for example, for it's just the money, not necessarily academics. But when you got that kind of money rolling, and if you were on the bubble of uh, not being able, even a uh, you know a point or two to, to be able to be eligible to pass a class, whether it be a geometry class or whatever it is, if you went in and talked to a professor and had a you know backpack with some money in it, a nice uh, sum of money that would entice a person uh, that's willing to do that, because you think about it, you know we are all humans and. You got professors that got kids in college and got mortgages and things and probably refinanced a home to pay for that college and, and probably ain't through paying their own student loans if you really want to put it out there with everything else they got going on and probably got another kid or two in high school that's going to join the other kid in college in another year or so. So, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, if a kid just needed one point or two or not anything out of the ordinary, you know, you wouldn't because, uh, you know, that would – uh alert everybody, but just a point or two or just trying to get a C, uh, you know, uh, if you had a graduate student that was teaching some classes, which in college uh, some graduate students do teach in place of the professor, depending on what it is or whatnot, you know, they got uh, rent and everything going on too now. So, you know, that is a possibility. That could possibly happen because a student athlete would definitely have the kind of cash to make that happen at this day and time. I'm not saying they wouldn't. I, I, I have... I'm not going to accuse anyone or, or a, a no, be. No, I'm not accusing about it. Sure. I'm just saying. Uh, so, I mean, in theory, if what or what you're saying in theory could be true, yes, it, it could be. It could have happened. It would still be very scandalous if it did. I think the NCAA yeah. would and would want to know about that. Uh, but uh, I, I again, I don't. I've not really spent time thinking of that. But I, I, I think what you're saying. I, I do not think it's rampant, but sure, it, it definitely could happen here and there. I'm not going to say it couldn't. We know that shady things happen, and, and yes, that, that is reasonable to think it could happen at some point. Yeah, yeah it, it very well could. Like I'm saying, you're sitting here trying to figure out how to pay your mortgage because everything you got, well, you were going to pay the mortgage, but, but the kid called from college needed such and such or whatever it was, so the mortgage money went for that. So you got to figure out, uh, you know, now I'm going to be a month behind on the mortgage. I got to figure out how to get that money and the next month's mortgage too and, so, and uh, you get a kid walk in the office and say well you know don't work i'm gonna be able to pass this class I, I need a point here here's a substantial amount of cash and then, i mean you know that, that could very well happen <laughs> cash money so um, but anyway uh i think uh you never know with the money rolling in it's a possibility we'll wait and see what happens in the next few years uh, as that develops and see what's going with that but i just thought i would mention that you know i i was sitting around talking to some friends the other day and i said you know that, that's something to really think about there but uh, moving along, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to read too much into the spring game that uh, Deion Sanders and had down in Colorado. At times it was exciting, but at times I looked at that thing and said, you know, they ain't got no kind of secondary. They ain't got no kind of defensive line. I mean, this looked like some kind of joke they didn't put together, you know, just to entertain the fans or whatnot to have them feeling good. But, I mean, this team, I, it don't look like it could beat Vanderbilt uh, based on what I saw the other day. But like I said, it is a spring game. And the way he did it, I mean, you know, it just don't really tell you a whole lot. We'll have to figure out uh, whether they play late August or early September, the first game, or whatever it is, we'll get a better view and a look then uh, what they may or may not have. But, uh, you know, <laughs> based on what I saw, I'm going to tell you now, his son is quarterback. I'm not a fan of that because I don't think his son is a Division One quarterback, to be honest with you. I know he got the Sanders name and, and everything is all hyped up behind that, but I don't think he's a Division One quarterback. And if he is, I don't think he's with a team that's going to really he's going to be really uh, able to do anything because they don't really have the talent or the depth to do what they need to do. They 
in the dungeon, or better yet, just in the sewer where they at. And I think he's going to need somebody else at that quarterback position. Uh, maybe it might have been a mistake to bring his son with him. Maybe should have put him at another position. I don't think quarterback may be it, considering the shape that program's been in in the last few years. And I don't think he's going to get out of that uh, just overnight. It's going to take a, 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 a real effort. What do you guys think? Would you guys see the game or whatnot? Or what thoughts you might have? Right, so, so my thoughts are this: I don't take I don't take anything positive or negative from a spring game just because it is just what it is. So I don't do that. However, where I do think there is sense of concern is the fact that 15 players have entered the transfer portal since that spring game. Wow! So, so that makes me wonder what's going on there. Is is Dion running people off? Are there people that are not happy being there? But 15 players from Colorado have entered the transfer portal since that spring game. That's the concern. I don't care what they looked like on the field during the spring game. And it, hey, it was cool. Colorado fans packed their stadium out for the first time. Uh, they, they haven't even packed their stadium out like that for a regular season game in, in many, many years. Uh, but the concern is the players that are leaving. Like I said, 15 since that spring game. That that's that's troublesome for whatever reason or whatever is going on. So yeah, that that's my takeaway from that is don't care about the game. I'm more worried about the the transfers. Well, you know, uh, nil money may be some of the reason for some kids, and that's understandable. Uh, some kids may feel like that they need to go somewhere else for a better opportunity. But you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a video where he stood up and told them that uh, if you're not willing to work. Uh, you're not willing to do this or put forth the effort and go the extra mile to do this and do that, then this ain't the place for you. So uh, maybe those guys ain't willing to pay the price in the strength conditioning program. Maybe they ain't willing to pay the price in the classroom. Maybe they ain't willing to pay the price in the old training table. So, And maybe they ain't willing to pay the price out on the field at the time they need to pay it. So uh, maybe it's a good thing they are going. I mean, we'll find out at some point whether that is good or bad or how it works for them or, Maybe it might take two or three years or whatnot. Uh, you know, I don't think his first year uh, is going to be all that because he got that transition time and had to try to get in and get and get him to buy into what you're doing and, and get your uh, uh, your philosophy as far as playbook or how you want to do things on that gridiron and all that kind of good stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. We just have to wait and see uh, what comes of that. But uh, I just what it is now, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, before he, well, when they named him coach, some players left in. I don't know how many at that time, but it was a few, if I'm not mistaken. You yeah. guys know what that number is? I think I saw that there's something like they brought 29 into the program and they've had 29 go out of the program. So I guess probably about 13 or 14 before this uh, latest round of portal portal guys. You know, it might have been a little too brash and a little too much to come in making statements that, well, I got my quarterback coming in, so we don't need you if you're already here. I mean, he probably shouldn't have made a statement like that. You know, people are supposed to compete on the field and, and go at it and, and compete on the field and also in the film room when you're somebody in college because uh, that can cost you a position. I've seen it happen all those years ago when I was at Jacksonville State. A guy messed around, didn't know the playbook, and got in that film room and coach asking questions and pointing things out, and he got all confused. And that caused the guy to lose a couple spots on the depth chart based just on that, and he ain't got on the field yet. So, Well, now, I, I was going to say that. Now, now Deion Sanders, he, he kind of – Put himself in that situation with that comment, but he also, the other part of what that comment uh, was, he's still going to have to earn it, though. He didn't just say, hey, Shador's going to be the quarterback, point blank, done, over. He said, 
we're bringing a quarterback in, meaning I'm bringing my son with me, but he's still going to have to earn it. So he at least kind of played both sides of that fence. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what's going on there with that. There's a lot of guys that are leaving that program. I still think, though, the the allure of playing for Deion Sanders, it may not show it this year, but I think you're going to start seeing that in the recruiting. And I, I think it's kind of the guys that uh, are, are guys that have been with the program that he's just kind of cutting the fat on, and it's a lot of fat to be cutting out. And I mean, it's a program that has not won a whole lot of games over the last few years. So I think Deion Sanders has his plan in place. Um, he's getting rid of the guys that he thinks that are not going to be a good part of that program, and he's going to try to build it from the ground up. You know, I didn't realize that they hadn't been to a bowl game in, what, about 10 years? Is that, is that correct? It, they have had a rough go of it over the last several years. You know, I remember in the 90s when they were doing good and won a national championship. I think they shared it with Georgia Tech in 1990. And, uh, they did. Coach, Coach McCarthy was there and everything. I remember those Buffaloes were, were you know, they had uh, Eric Bieniemy was one of the running backs at that time. Yeah. Running up something like a power eye or flex bone or whatnot. Yep. You know, I had no idea that that program had fallen that much. Over. I mean, I hadn't, didn't even realize that. I mean, that, good God. I mean, that is really in the sewer, if you want to call it. I think even Vandy went to a, a couple bowls with that. Fan, you know, did they not? Yeah, no, Vandy did. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty alarming. So they did go to a, a bowl game in 2016. They had that 10 win year that they went to the conference title game. But other than that yeah, year, that, that's it. Yeah, they, they had not been to a bowl since 07. So they've been to one bowl game in the last 15 years. One other thing I want to mention: I know everybody goes to bowl games these year, these days. Yeah, you're right. One other thing I'd like to mention, guys. You know, uh, you got a team that far in the in the sewer like that. Don't you think if you have a spring game, it might have been better to really have a real game like they used to do years ago, probably give you a better idea and, and maybe ease the fans a, a little bit. Maybe uh, they you know, might have them where they won't be so nervous, might ease that off of them, that they, if they can actually see a, a real game, see what you really got. Uh, I mean, it might give you a better read, might be a little bit more confidence in the program than to come out and put on a, a show like that that don't have no real value to it. Well, you you say that, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the. I don't know what was going in Deion Sanders' head as far as like how that sets up. It may be one of those deals where he didn't feel like that team was ready to put a game type scenario full out onto the field, and so you're going to do different oh, things. Oh. But coaches have different philosophies on the way they do things. I mean, Hugh Freeze came in here. And there's a whole different weird thing. I mean, you start out with a defense of 24 points and the offense tries to catch up. And then because of the yeah. rain, they just skip the third quarter. I mean, the coaches have different ways of doing things. Um, and really, I mean, it feels like most of them these days are not doing uh, what I remember being, you know, a day or, or all these whatever days where it felt like it was an actual game scrimmage. Right, You're really right. not seeing a lot of that uh, much anymore. There's a lot of different things, a lot of different moving parts going on in these spring games. I think the last time I saw that, Hugh Freeze had Bo Wallace down at Ole Miss because I have called y'all and I had mentioned that, that I thought that that year that Ole Miss would go bowling and have a pretty good team based on what I saw at that game. I don't know if y'all guys were on the show then or not, but I think you might have been. Some of you might have been. And I think I had mentioned that, that, I, that I was just raving about it, that you know, out of all the games, he actually had a real game. At that time, yeah, I 
It could be, but yeah, I, you know, like I said, these guys have, uh, these guys, all these coaches have different kind of philosophies the way they do those games. So, but yeah, I mean, big thing, kind of backtracking back to Colorado, wouldn't read too much into just the game thing, but the, the, the transfers out, that, that should be troubling to some of the, uh, Colorado fans. I don't know how many Colorado fans we have here in the Auburn area, but, uh, yeah. that would be troubling if I was a Buffaloes fan. Well, we'll see. Guys, I appreciate the time and everything. I thank y'all, and I'll be calling y'all later in the week. All and right. we'll make it do what it do. Thank you. Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate your phone call. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, more Sports Call. You're listening to this Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Join our conversation. Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry here today. Appreciate Anthony for joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. A reminder, coming up at 4 o'clock, Kevin Ives is at AUPPL on Twitter. He will talk to us about Auburn's big series win against Mississippi State and what's to come this weekend when the Tigers have a very formidable foe in the South Carolina Gamecocks. But for now, we've got about 10 or 11 minutes left in the hour, so let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for asking. Uh, how you guys' weekend? Uh, very good. Yeah, good weekend. Yep, uh, enjoyed. Okay, everybody, everyone stayed out of trouble then. Yes, enjoyed uh, Brooks's wedding. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, uh, no mishaps, no wedding crashers? Not at all. Uh, the, the showers, they happened overnight, so it was a beautiful sunny day, mid-70s, and uh, the ceremony went uh, flawlessly. Uh, so did the, uh, the dinner and, and the reception afterwards, and, and everything went well. Well, sorry to hear that. Okay, <laughs> I was hoping for some kind of breaking, you know, shocking news. No, not now. quite. Okay, all right, I'm glad it went well. All right, guys, let's get to it real quickly then. Uh, you talk about Colorado, and I see on here in Talk 247 Sports uh, from Christian Clemente. Auburn offers Colorado wide receiver transfer Montana Lemonois. How do you pronounce that? Lemonois Craig. Yeah, I, I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look at it and see. I'm not really sure. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, he announced his transfer to the portal uh, Sunday, following a day after catching three passes for 154 yards and two touchdowns. To a Saturday spring game in Colorado. Um, his offers, though, are not coming from what I call blue blood, blue blood, uh, you know, uh, football programs. Tulane, Southern Utah, Tennessee State, Liberty, Washington State, Arizona, Colorado State, Cincinnati, now Auburn. So, guys, uh, your thoughts on this uh, apparently offer from Auburn? Are we uh, desperate? Um, so to answer a couple of questions, is Auburn desperate? At wide receiver position, yes. 
Um, is uh, is this a guy that Auburn wants to take? I mm, I don't know. And, and you know, one of the things we have talked about for many years in recruiting is instead of like looking at the stars of the guys, one of the things to look at is, is who else is offering them. Because right. I mean, if if it's a four star guy, uh, he may be listed with four stars, but his only offers are like the teams that you just mentioned. It kind of makes you wonder. There's probably a reason for that. Um, when I look at a guy like this, I, and, I, and I don't know his background, I'm assuming that he's been at Colorado. When you think three about years. three years at Colorado, when, and so when I think about a guy like that, um, he's been at Colorado for three years. There's probably a reason that he was at Colorado. There's probably a reason he's not transferred away from Colorado beforehand. Um, he may not be a very good player, and that may be also – yeah, okay, so he caught a couple of touchdowns in a meaningless spring game. But, um, I, you know, I, I would be concerned if this guy was actually really any good or not, and especially if the only other officer, office, offers are coming from the teams that you mentioned, then I would have some concerns about him. Well, th- those, of course, were the early offers, but I've looked on his Twitter uh, and in the same capacity that he announced Auburn offered. Uh, he's also gotten offers now from Arizona, Cincinnati, Penn State, Central okay. Florida, BYU, Mississippi State, Cal, so uh, in West Virginia. Okay. So he's got some bigger ones adding up. So it doesn't okay, look well, quite as bad. I'm not, I'm not seeing the Ohio State, you know, Georgia, Alabama, you know. Well, some uh, of those guys, some of those teams that you mentioned may not need a wide receiver. I mean, and, and he and he may – they may already know that he's not going to look at them because they don't need that position. I mean, he's looking to transfer and play, not go somewhere that's already loaded. Okay. Uh, moving on, guys. Boy. You know, uh, this is not for the faint of heart, at least for me, uh, for an Auburn fan in uh, baseball or softball this weekend. Uh, those games were uh, uh, extremely, uh, what I say, uh, nail biters and um, stress producing, especially the uh, Mississippi State games. Uh, I mean, I thought I was watching, you know, a, uh, a football game. You know, we couldn't stop and they couldn't stop us, uh, right? Yeah, no, especially in those uh, Saturday and Sunday games. Obviously, the Friday was low scoring. But, yeah, I mean, that's the nature of two teams that are uh, pretty even in the standings and pretty even perception-wise. I mean, they came in with the exact same conference record, uh, and it was you know kind of a, a, a deal where uh, back and forth on Saturday and Sunday, I guess uh, Saturday was just Auburn trying to recover, and then Sunday Auburn took a late lead then gave up a run in the ninth and then scored in the bottom of the ninth. But, yeah, I mean, it was – it was not too surprising that close games would happen with someone that is on a very similar caliber to Auburn. Well, and thank goodness that their bullpen was more, uh, I guess, atrocious than ours was. Yeah, they obviously both teams got hit around on the weekend. No, no doubt about it. Friday was a very hitting a rap, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were hitting our batters as bad as we were hitting some of theirs. Right. I mean, uh, it was sloppy, and obviously that has plagued those teams, and uh, you saw it on full display. But I'll give them this. This baseball team doesn't ever give up. No, they do not. They they battled. Because at 9-3, to three, I turned it off. I said, let me see what's going on. The ninth inning, uh, Saturday, of course, you know, really you get that close, you have a guy on third base, you couldn't bring him in. Yeah, but almost. Anyway, uh, the softball team, they uh, if Pitt doesn't get player of the year in the SEC, I don't know who, who deserves it. Yeah, again, I'd have to make myself familiar with other people in the league, but uh, certainly, it it's, would be hard to find someone more impactful who's been more dominant 
uh, for her team is Maddie as I mean Auburn's record when she pitches is is insane and and she has continued to go up against the very best in the league and has always come out uh, very very good and uh, speaking of very very good how about Mr. McMurray boy five home runs I think wouldn't that yep. total over the weekend yep one SEC player of the week yep player of the week wow uh, I'm glad uh, uh, we've got him and uh, speaking of uh, other uh, sports related activities you know, I don't know why L.com pretends to be, you know, fair and balanced in their sports uh, writers' columns uh, because they just are just calling themselves, you know, University of Alabama, you know, um, uh, sports site. But uh, there was an article that uh, struck me. I only knew about it because uh, a uh, Alabama friend of mine, unfortunately, uh, texted me. I said, what is this? So I'm sure, have you guys seen it? It's by Ramsey Archibald. Yeah, Auburn football has the fastest shrinking fan base in the nation. Sports marketing data shows. So I read the details about it. You guys read it? Yes, I did read it. Um, I'm not sure how they came up. You know, with that marketing form, came up with everything. Obviously, Auburn. I mean, had a rough two years. I think that obviously there's really no way to quantify all those numbers. I mean, that's kind of you blow them out of thin air, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some people were disgruntled over the last couple of years, but I don't think Auburn's in danger of having some unhealthy fan base or anything like that. No, uh, that's that's one of those prime examples of don't believe everything you read on the internet. Well, it's probably for me is you know numbers don't lie, just those who interpret them do. Because I read the details of this, and they said uh, here's how they got their numbers. They uh, talked to I guess it would be they surveyed people who claimed. Each team is their favorite college team. Well, gee, I wonder how many of those people were genuinely authentic uh, college team supporters of whatever college team, and how were the questions phrased? Because uh, a lot of polls uh, will change uh, in terms of uh, the uh, the response based on how the questions are phrased. But uh, anyway, so, you know, uh, given that, then I see, further down as I read this, that in terms of total fans lost, Notre Dame was just behind Auburn, Losing more than eight hundred sixty thousand total fans in one year, and hold on, Anthony, you make the top three. Third on the list, none other than Auburn's in-state rival, the University of Alabama, lost nearly seven hundred thousand fans. What are they doing losing fans? Again, I don't think there's any validity to the study. Yeah. Uh, it would be very hard to quantify all this, and I don't really think it's worth yeah. everyone's time. Yeah, I mean, are they? Yeah. are they? Are the are they picking fans that are alumni of the school or fans that are not alumni of the school? Is it a combination of both? I mean, but it, it's nobody interviewed it, me. Yeah, you know, nobody. I didn't get asked me. a question by anybody. So it, it's a it's a ridiculous BS clickbait type story, and you they baited you in, Steve. Well, no, I just you said, took the you took you, know, you took the well, you got the hook in your mouth. Well, because uh, this guy, this friend, my text me. You know, I said, okay, what's this nonsense about? Uh, it's course, nonsense. That's exactly the, what it the, is. The, I'm skeptical of this crap. And at the very end, it says eight non-SEC teams, some not even in the South, were more popular than Auburn in the Southern U.S. in 2022. And who were they? According to them, Florida State, Duke, Ohio State, North Carolina. Michigan, Maryland, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. Woe is me. Again, it's not Steve. Uh, we only have another minute or two left before we got to take this hour break, Steve. So, uh, final thoughts that are not related to this because it's obviously not a not a real real deal here. Final thoughts. 
I feel more encouraged. I know, Tom, you're still uh, on the fence on this, but I feel more encouraged that uh, I think the baseball team can actually uh, be in the NCAA regional host. And I, I, I'm strongly uh, believing that uh, the uh, uh, softball team can do it as well. I think you should flip that. I think softball is going to be is going to have a really good chance of, or at least a good, a decent chance. They're right on that line. Baseball will not host. They might yeah. make the tournament, but they're not going to host. They're not going to be a top sixteen seed. Yeah, ba- baseball. Baseball is trying to scratch and claw to keep themselves alive to even get to a regional, not host a regional, just to get one. And, and I'm not. And I'm not down on them. I. I, I, I see that there are issues, there are major glaring issues with this baseball team that I have seen since the beginning. Um, I would like to see them start putting some things together uh, more consistently, which we're kind of starting to see. You're starting to see some bats come around. You're starting to see a guy like Tommy Vale become a, a, a top-notch pitcher for him. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot of things that they've got to work out, and they've got two extremely difficult series coming up. No doubt. But I'm also having some hope. Uh, I hope that's realistic. That uh, what might happen if Gonzalez uh, be come back and he's full strength? Oh, that'd be huge. That that, that would be massive. If all, if Tommy Vell keeps pitching at the level that he's been, and then you add Gonzalez, and if he is at his best, uh, I mean, you you have to feel good about getting two wins in just about any series you play when you have those types of uh, guys on the mound that can give you a lot of innings and can take down a lot of batters. Okay, guys, that's what I got. Uh, thank you for your time as always, and uh, until uh, tomorrow, hopefully, uh, y'all stay safe and well, and I'll listen to um, Mr. Kevin Ives later. So uh, have a safe evening, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate the phone call. That's retired Ward. I'm Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. We'll come back in just a few minutes. Kevin Ives will join us to talk Auburn baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call right here in Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brent Daughtry with you here today. And we're now pleased to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line 
and chat with Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Uh, we chatted with Kevin on Thursday of last week to preview this Mississippi State series. So uh, this chat coming uh, very quickly after our previous chat. But Kevin, the time is is greatly appreciated. And wow, what a uh, what a dramatic series we saw inside of Plainsman Park this weekend. Yeah, it really was a wild series. I mean, you had they were all one run games. Um, Auburn got the walk off series win on Sunday, Friday. Um, you know, scored in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, to take a, a lead, a very close 2-1 game. And then even the Saturday game, um, Auburn was pretty much just like inches away from tying it up and making it made a huge comeback, a huge rally um, to make it a one-run game in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, but ultimately, Auburn took a series and a much-needed series win for Mississippi State. Something we were noticing, and we've got to shout out a couple individuals here that are playing well recently for Auburn. Let's start with Tommy Vale because obviously pitching has been the story all year long, and in particular bullpen. But but for the most part, without Joseph Gonzalez, it's been just about everything. And this is now two consecutive good starts from Tommy Vale. What are you seeing from him on the mound? I mean, it's, he's really kind of been that anchor um, and has allowed Auburn to set the tone and win those Friday games. Um, you know, he had a great start against Alabama, um, you know, and Auburn's only win in that series, and then um, was really dominant Friday against Mississippi State. Um, he, had, I think he ended up with 10 strikeouts, and he ended up being at 11 strikeouts. Um, but his just his pick, pitch selection um, has been incredible. His location has been there, not walking a, a ton of guys, um, and really kind of being a stabilizing force and being that de facto Friday night guy uh, with Joseph Gonzalez being out and some other injuries kind of affecting the Tigers. They try to find some Tigers, they try to find some consistency on the mound. Kevin, talk a little bit about the play of Cooper McMurray, another one of those guys who exploded uh, in this weekend series, a guy who's been consistently decent all year, but uh, just seemed to really go off this weekend. He absolutely did. I mean, he was uh, SEC Player of the Week, um, had two big home runs in that Sunday game off of both foul poles, um, and I think that's pretty rare and pretty hard to do when you think about the dimensions in left field and, and going over the moss. The fact that he was able to hit both foul poles um, is kind of um, kind of interesting and very rare. Um, but yeah, I mean, he um, his bat, that his offensive production, um, and really his defensive play too, which I think kind of goes unnoticed. He helped turn some big double plays, um, but his offensive production this weekend and his power numbers. And the surge that he's had, I think he's homered in um, his last four games at least. Um, and so it's just it's just been big. Um, and it's been something that has taken the pressure off of some of the other hitters in the lineup, um, knowing that you know he's been that hot and been that consistent. And you just hope it keeps up um, because the hotter he stays, the, the deeper Auburn can be um, at the plate and can have more threats. Kevin, we talked uh, last week about how big this series was for Auburn. Put a little context behind that. Since Auburn took two out of three, what does that mean moving forward, and how big a series win was this? It was absolutely huge. I mean, it, it was it's one of those series that, um, and when it came, and what Auburn had, has, was kind of rolling into the series with the fact that they had lost um, a couple series in a row, um, we're just going down the rankings, you know, pretty pretty fast. Um, in the SEC, the fact that now you have that series win, um, it makes it a little bit easier. It kind of makes the plan ahead of you um, what it needs to be. Um, you, so taking this series, it means that really you just you got to take the the series from Missouri 
and Ole Miss and then just not get swept against LSU and South Carolina and everything else, like we talked about last Thursday, is kind of going to take care of itself. Uh, that last game, uh, as Auburn's making that rally, put put us uh, put us and the rest of the listeners up on top of the deck. What, what was the atmosphere like? Is that I mean, it was comeback started I mean, to start off the game. You know, Auburn. It was really kind of a very somber tone. Auburn was down seven nothing. Um, had had some uncharacteristic defensive miscues, um, and you just didn't know if the bats were going to wake up, um, if they were going to do anything. And then I think the difference on Sunday was the fact that, that Auburn's bats, because they, they came so alive so late, um, and even when Auburn, um, you know, they took you know, they, they took a lead, um, I think it was 10-9 at that point, and then um, they lost the lead, you know, after that. There really wasn't any sense of desperation because you knew that the offense and the bats were that hot that they were gonna, just going to be able to, to pull something out. And you can just kind of feel it being very special, you know, as each – hit kind of got linked up together um, and you had the home runs and it just ended up being a wild scene um, and just ended up being something that I think it was just a sigh of relief I think for a lot of Auburn fans that were watching this team because they've been so close in so many games and including on that Saturday game we're, we're so close to actually get over that hump a little bit um, and end up celebrating on Sunday it was a really really good feeling. Is there absolutely anything Kevin that could make you leave a game early? Because some people, some people turn a game off like that on Saturday or Sunday, and I know you're very dedicated. So maybe you feel disrespected by me even thinking it is possible. But is there anything that would happen that would make you leave an Auburn game from that parking deck early? Not unless I'm forced out, in all honesty. Because I mean, I've seen some you know really big blowouts that have not gone in Auburn's favor, um, and I've seen some big wins. But I think it's just because I, I understand of what baseball is as a sport. The fact that you're never really out of it. Um, until that final out is made. And so that's what's going to be exciting. There's always a chance. You know, you're always kind of doing wacky things, going to keep you in the game. We have our little um, Jobu that we keep up there. And um, there's always a chance. And I just, that's the most beautiful thing about baseball. And so for me personally, no, I'm not going to leave because even if we are, you know, getting our, our butts handed to us, there's still some pauses you can kind of find in it and some things you know you can kind of work on um, and that you're just kind of, hoping to, to see um, to see some sort of signs of life and stuff like that um, but no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leave unless I'm, I'm forced out from on top of there hey we we respect the hell out of that uh, chatting with <laughs> Kevin Ives he is at AUPP on Twitter Plainsman parking lot so Kevin with uh, a weekend like that that was so different from the three games the first game was a really uh, well-pitched game, which not Auburn's not been involved in a lot of those this year in no. SEC play. And then the two games about what we expect back and forth, or at least high scoring. Uh, you know, it, did Auburn kind of, again, I know that Joseph Gonzalez has got to come back, but did Auburn try and learn anything about when they have a low-scoring game like that, what it takes to win a low-scoring game like that, when the bats are maybe – maybe not as in tune because this team has scored so many runs this year. Uh, in the one weekend it didn't at Alabama, everyone was very disappointed in lower-scoring games. Do you think it can start to figure out how to piece together a lower-scoring game, or is it going to just always have to be 11-10, to 10-9 like it was on Saturday and Sunday? No, I think they can, Auburn can definitely win low-scoring games, um, and they have the keys. It really depends on when that game comes in the series is the thing. Because that was that Friday night game um, and Vail pitched so deep, I think that that's really what helped Auburn out because 
you're able to kind of turn to some of your key bullpen arms at that point and not have them be overextended. Um, you're able to, you know, to get uh, John Armstrong and, and use Will Cannon to close it out. Um, having it be that first game made a huge difference. Now, if it was a close, low-scoring game on Sunday, that may be a different scenario because both teams will have had a lot of chance to see um, the different pitchers. You're not really going to fool anybody with anything. And um, I think Auburn can, and Auburn does have the tools to do that. Um, it really just is going to be what we've kind of harped on the past couple of weeks, just making sure that you kind of let the defense work and you don't give up a ton of free passes, don't give up walks or hit-by-pitches. Um, and I think you can kind of – um, the offense will click what it needs to click, and uh, you you will feel a little bit of confidence that yeah they they can. It'll just take a couple hits or a couple good things, and they can just start snowballing real quick. But also know that you've got enough faith in yourself as a pitching staff that yes, we can we have the abilities and we can win these close games, and it doesn't always have to rely on the offense. Kevin, let's take a look at the rest of Auburn's schedule this season. Four more SEC series, two two uh, excuse me, two series against two teams at the top and two series against two teams at the very bottom. What does Auburn have to do in the remaining four series to get a shot in the tournament? It's really taking the two series from the ones at the bottom. So one's on the road at Ole Miss, and then the last series against Missouri, um, and then not get swept against LSU and not get swept against South Carolina. If you take one of those series, South Carolina or LSU, then, I mean, you've pretty much taking a huge burden off of yourself as the, as the the rest of the season will progress but um that's really what it's what the mindset is right now or i think that's really what the plan is right now is avoid sweeps and take the series um you know in oxford and then that final series against missouri um, and it can be done it is very doable now it's gonna be very tough this weekend against south carolina i think they've only lost one game at home and they have a tremendous offense put up a, a lot of numbers um, and I've hit a lot of home runs, so it's going to be it's going to be tough just to take that one game against Carolina. But it can happen. I think that's what the other thing too that when you see, you look at how kind of topsy turvy the league has been, even at the top. I mean, you don't know what teams will show up, and maybe you catch Carolina on a bad day. I mean, you had a Tennessee team that got swept by Missouri to start the season, and then turns around and sweeps Vanderbilt last weekend. Um, you have Arkansas that loses a series to Georgia, and Georgia has had a season to forget a little bit. Um, and so you never kind of know what can happen. And so you just you just have to focus on yourselves as a team, know what you're doing well, know what you have to improve on, and just let everything else take care of itself. When we compare these two behemoths, and look, they're not the only two behemoths in the SEC, but when we're looking at South Carolina – and LSU, I know that one is maybe inherently a little bit more doable because in the case of LSU, they come to Plainsman Park. But, I mean, how do those two teams compare? Like, like is there one team that is maybe playing a style that's more conducive to Auburn to, to be more competitive in one series than the other? Or just, just how do those two teams stack up? They're very similar. I think the, the hardest thing for when you're facing South Carolina – is they have two really good starting pitchers, and they and after that, they don't really know what they have. And so, if you're able to get to the bullpen early um, against South Carolina, then you're you may be in good shape. You give yourself a better chance to win. It's really limiting their offense. The, the difference, I think, LSU is a more complete team. Um, you know, they can they can they're not going to lose back to back games. I don't think they've lost back to back games this year. Um, but they're more of a complete team on the mound and in the field. Uh, with South Carolina, 
you just limit that offense. If you limit that offense, and it's easier said than done, but if you limit their offense, then you're going to give yourself the best chance that you can. You can't get into a slugfest with them. Um, you can't really expect to kind of go blow for blow with them. So you want to kind of quiet their bats as much as you can um, and extend those innings, and that's your best chance to beat South Carolina. And then, Kevin, also real quickly, I know Auburn's got Troy in the midweek, and Auburn can't take any of these midweek games lightly as they try and uh, put together uh, the end of a, a hopefully a tournament resume. So, I mean, what are – uh, what does Auburn need to pay attention to against Troy and just make sure that they take care of business here in the midweek? Just don't look ahead to this weekend. I mean, Troy is a really, really good team, um, and they're a team that, that may sneak into an at-large spot um, towards the end, depending on how they – depending on how the Sun Belt ends up. The Sun Belt kind of got bolstered by adding Southern Miss and adding Coastal Carolina. So as a whole, that league is going to be a lot stronger, which may make them – more of a multi-big league than they have been in the past. I think the max they normally get is like two or three bids. Um, but Troy's going to be a very good team, and it's going to be fired up. Um, you know, it's going to be bragging rights. I mean, they're one of the closest teams that Auburn is going to play, um, you know, in Alabama. And so it's going to be the only time that they're facing one another. There's no return trip this year. Um, and Auburn just – they can't overlook Troy is, is all I'm saying in that scenario. And so focus on Tuesday – uh, focus on tomorrow, take care of business, um, and just kind of stay hot. You just don't want you don't want that Troy game. Um, you really want a game like they, Auburn had last Tuesday against Stanford, you know, where you were kind of in control the whole game. If it's a tight game. If it's a close game, so be it. But Auburn, yeah, Auburn still has to win that game um, and stay focused and, and not look ahead to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday series uh, in Columbia. Yeah, we know those midweek games, it can happen. It has happened to Auburn. It's happened to just about everybody at some point. I think last Tuesday or Wednesday, there was like six SEC teams or five SEC teams that, that lost a midweek yeah. game. And it, it gets pretty crazy in the midweek sometimes. It does. And that's, I mean, you, you saw it. I mean, Auburn's only dropped that one midweek game. Um, well, they dropped two. They dropped the one to Georgia Tech and the one to the UAB. But, um, yeah, that, that last Tuesday um, when Auburn beat Sanford, I think, you know, Tennessee Tech had, had beat Tennessee. Um, and there are, I think Alabama had lost to UAB as well. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it happens. And it's just something where you're going to play these games um, and they're going to make you better. Um, and they're either going to make you better because they've humbled you or they're going to make you better because you're able to improve yourself. And so that's, uh, that's definitely the, the best thing about those midweek games. He is Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter joining us today on Sports Call. Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Glad Auburn could pull out the series victory. Glad uh, that you you guys got to celebrate on the parking deck, and uh, we certainly do appreciate the time each and every week, and we look forward to talking again soon. All right, thank you, guys. That is Kevin Ives joining us here today on Sports Call. Always appreciate Kevin for stopping by, talking some Auburn baseball with us. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to Matt from Tallahassee on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to this Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. <laughs>
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Got Tom Peavy and Brant Dontry with me here this afternoon. Appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us, talking some Auburn baseball with us uh, as the Tigers had a very critical and key series victory against Mississippi State this past weekend. They need to keep doing it, but first they'll have a midweek game against Troy that they'll need to take care of. 334-887-341 locally. To- 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 888 9 to join us on the show today. With that, we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, and next up on the show is... Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us today. Matt, how are you doing? What's up, man? What's going on? Hi, Tom. Hello. You behaving today? Not at all. Cam? <laughs> hey, Cam? Cam? Cam just hey. answered the phone. He's not hey. actually on the show show today. Hey, 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 hey Brent and Ryan? Yeah, what's hey, up? Tom owes us a thousand and twenty cents for not behaving. A thousand dollars and twenty cents. Okay. Yep. Oof. Getting expensive. Yeah, Tom, you gotta behave. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Hey, so, hey, I want to talk about like uh, I want to talk about the game. I was, I was at the game. Me and my dad, and my brother, were at the game, and those two home runs that were off the foul pole, man, those were amazing. Yeah, by Murray. Yeah, he uh, he went both to both fields there, and uh, he has been uh, really good for Auburn here the last couple of weeks. Hit five home runs last week. I never seen a foul a ball go off of two different foul, foul balls before like that. Yeah, you know, I I have no idea how we tracked down the last time something like that that happened. But yeah, Cooper Murray up to ten home runs at five last week, and he was uh, he was one of the very important players for the Tigers this past weekend. Yeah. I was telling my dad like uh, we were sitting we're sitting on the Tiger transit like down third base line. And where I was sitting, I was like, Dad, that's a strike. And I was saying to, like, the umpire can hit me. I go, like, that's a strike. And my dad goes, how can you tell where you're sitting from? I go, Dad, where I'm sitting from in the chair, I can tell if it's outside, it's a strike. And so, but uh, I was going to tell you, Brent, Ryan, and Tom, I got some very good News. Okay. Guess where I'm going May the 19th through the 21st. May 19th through 21st. I do not know. Where are you going? Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Auburn is playing this team tomorrow night. Are you going to Troy, Alabama? Yes, for a swim. I got to go swimming at Troy. First Best Olympics. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Yep. Yep. 
I'm I'm excited, and uh, so like, I have I, like uh, my bowling coach. He told me that uh, Corey has a really nice swimming pool. He said I really really like it. Sure, I bet, I bet. Have you guys seen it? I have never been to Troy, so I have not seen it. Tom and uh, Ryan, have you? Uh, I have been to Troy, but I don't. I have not seen the. Uh, I have not seen their pool or their natatorium, as it would be called. Okay. Hey, I was going to uh, talk to you guys. You guys didn't answer. It is. Um, I saw the Auburn got a, a basketball player from a transfer portal. I think he's like six seven. I think from Utah. What do you guys think about that? Uh, from Utah and uh, uh, not from uh, Utah. They they got uh, what Cheney Johnson, uh, Johnson from Johnson. UAH from Alabama Huntsville, but uh, no one from Utah. And they and they now they they were getting uh, an official visit uh, uh, from uh, Matthew Cleveland, who is the uh, has been at Florida State. He's announced an official visit to Auburn, and so Auburn's thinking they might have a good shot at him. So what do you guys think about Auburn getting a six foot seven guy? I, I, I think I think Auburn is just looking to load up on that roster, whether they're six seven or six six or six eight, it don't matter as long as they can shoot the ball, score points at, at a better rate than what they were doing this year, then that's what they're looking for. Yeah, hey, another thing I I got some more good news to tell you guys. Like we had some friends from that were North Carolina came to see us and we took them to Auburn shove around and there's like a little one of the the hotel is there's a little place to eat inside. I guess who I saw, I saw Bruce Pearl. You saw Bruce Pearl. Steve Pearl. Oh, Stephen Pearl. Yeah, I saw Bruce Pearl and Steve Pearl. And so I asked Bruce Pearl. I said, like, uh, I think I can take Steve Pearl and guard him. <laughs> and I go like, uh, he could that can be a referee. See. He says, like, no, I don't think you want my dad to be a referee. So I said, maybe Caldwell can be a referee. I think I can taste him for a one-on-one. All right. Well, I like the confidence. Hey, have you guys heard – hey, Ryan and Tom and Brent, have you guys heard from Sean? Uh, we have not. No. I, no. Sean's fired. All right. Well, if he does hey. call in, we'll, we'll let him know he's fired. Hey, did you guys ever get like? You guys ever said JJ that I still want to talk to him? Did you guys ever get a hold of Cadillac? I I absolutely told JJ that that you wanted to talk to him, and uh, he's aware that whenever he comes back on the show, we will uh, we will let you know. How about Devon Reed? Did you ever get a hold of him? I have not been talking to him recently. So where's Brooks at? Uh, Brooks got uh, married this past weekend. He's uh, he's on his honeymoon. Okay, I don't. I won't find him. I won't. He won't. He won't cost you. I'll let him slide. Uh, I would hope not. He'll be back next week. Uh, well, hey. Uh, so he's in Auburn again in the portal for a quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if they'll uh, end up with somebody or not. I know that there's only a couple guys in there right now. We talked a little bit about Ben Bryant from uh, Cincinnati. It's also the, uh, the the Chance Nolan from Oregon State. I, I don't know if they have. Uh, real interest there or not. Those are just a couple of the more notable guys in the portal. Um, really just not hearing anything about any portal movement with QBs. Hey, last, last question. Um, Ron, uh, Ryan and Tom, who got you and uh, Brent, you can answer. But, like, uh, do you guys see 
Yeah, well, uh, Hank Brown's not on campus yet, but or well, yes, he is. Yes, he is. I'm thinking of uh, the kid from Arkansas who's not on campus yet. Uh, I, I, my expectation for TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford hasn't changed. I think right now Robbie Ashford would start if the season were to happen tomorrow. I expect TJ Finley to transfer out before the season starts. And we guys think that Finley will probably go. I I don't know. I don't know. Again, his younger brother is a wide receiver at Southeast Louisiana, so I wouldn't be shocked if he went to go play with his younger brother, but. That's uh, other than that. I don't know. I don't expect he'll end up anywhere in in uh, hey, Tom, big time hey, football. Yeah. Hey, Tom, you think Philly can like be a good uh, for a place to go to maybe Louisiana Monroe? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just think with Finley, I mean, his best his best option I think is to go to a smaller school because I just don't think he's going to be able to get it done at, at at the big level. I mean, he. It would be two big schools that he has not been able to succeed at, so maybe he needs to go somewhere smaller and try to have some success there. Hey, I still have my record probably like a either ten on one or twelve on one, and probably losing against Georgia. But uh, they have us losing against Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU. Uh, I think I think we'll go with probably ten. Yeah, uh, Georgia's going to be really good. I would, uh, I'd understand why you wouldn't, but uh, I think this can be a rebuilding year for Auburn. So I think it, it'd be wise to kind of tamper some, uh, temper some expectations at first. Well, hey, I'm not going to do this here, but hey, you guys ever did a janitor call today? Uh, did who call today? James. James has not called yet today. Has War Down Steve called? Yes, he has. I uh, well, James called, tell him what I said had birthday, and asked him did he hear me sing it. And I hope he had a good birthday, and I will talk to you guys next Monday. And Tom, please behave. I I will do my best. Hey, hey Cam, hey, hey, hey Ryan, and Tom. Yeah. Brent and Ryan, can you guys keep uh, Tom straight? We'll yeah. do. Our, we'll do our best. It's hard, sure. man. It's hard. If you got, if you got team Kevin straight, maybe you get JJ to help you guys. All right. If we'll we'll call in some reinforcements or, or, or get Bo Jackson. That'll definitely work. Yeah. That one will do. That'll do. All right. Wait. Well, if you guys are to get Bruce Pearl on there, and my if you guys see my uh, man, man, the Barbies, Tom, I said. All right, will do, Matt. See you, Matt. Appreciate that phone call. That is Matt for Tallahassee uh, calling us here, or Matt for Auburn, Matt from Tallahassee calling us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out. When we come back, we will have birthdays and sports, and a little bit later in the 3 o'clock hour, or excuse me, the 5 o'clock hour, the third hour of the show, we will have a nightly TV guide, but we'll also have best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this fun edition of Sports Call here on this Monday. We've gone an hour and a half. We've not actually talked poorly yet. We will get to that a little bit uh, as we've got to update some, some more particular basketball items. There are some football visits going on. Nothing is imminent, though, in the portal. Also, Auburn's not bled any guys for the last couple of days. Uh, unlike Colorado, some other schools just having their spring game on Saturday. Admittedly, was not able to see Saturday stuff. Was very occupied at uh, Brooks's wedding, so uh, I did not get to consume uh, much of the last few spring games we had on Saturday. But that is uh, a okay. We're going to go ahead before we do anything else, though. It's a little bit later in the program. Get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports is, pre- is presented by Max Credit Union. I've got to slow down. It's a Monday. It's you went through a very taxing mental exercise in the last like minute and a half of that break that we went on. It was really impressive. It's a shame that the show was not going on. Oh, and then Josh Vitale, who used to work here in the area, just gave me the stat. Basically, 14 of the 28 active NBA head coaches are on at least their second team. So that's half, half the NBA. Yeah. And then we could go through NFL. At some point, too. I I bet you it's, it's close. I, it, yeah. Oh, all right. That was the exercise I was doing and abusing myself with. And also, probably Brant was just listening out of good faith. He probably... Did you care that much? Probably not. Or? I was I was interested. <laughs> I was interested. It was I was more interested in seeing if you could actually do it. Right. Well, I appreciate you, you listening. We'll try NFL later. But for now, let's get birthdays and sports. Get presented by Max Credit Union. Chipper Jones turns 51 today. Former third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. Tripper was born in Florida and was a Florida Player of the Year and finalist for National Player of the Year as a senior. Drafted first overall by the Braves in 1990. Made his Major League debut in 1993. 19 years in the bigs, all for the Atlanta Braves. Eight-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, one-time National League MVP, and one-time World Series champion. His number 10 is retired by the Braves. Was inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2018. Has served as a hitting consultant for the Braves in the last few years. One of the great switch hitters of all time. Tripper Jones turns 51 today. That's crazy that he's already 51 years old. Yes. Yeah. He he went pretty deep into a career there. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, was about, what was he, 38, 39 when he retired? Yeah, he played for, what, what, almost 20 years? More than 20 years? Yeah, so uh, 2012. Uh, he played 19 years, and he was drafted 19. out of high school. So about about... about and he was drafted in 1990 as an 18-year-old. Debuted 93. Played 19 years. So he stopped in 2012. So that's 11 years ago. He played until he was 40. That's how math works. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time to play play a professional sport until yes, you're 40. He and he was, uh, he was injured a lot late in his career, but he, when he was out there, still hit for a good average. Yeah. And, uh, one of the great Braves of all time, Chipper Jones, turns 51 today. 
Another switch hitter, go figure. Carlos Beltran turns 46 today, former MLB outfielder. Beltran was born in Puerto Rico and was drafted by the Royals in the second round of the 1995 draft. Made his MLB debut in 1998. Played 20 years in the major leagues. For, apparently, if you're switch hitters, you can just keep switching teams, keep playing. For eight different teams over his career, he gained a reputation for being one of the best postseason players. He was a nine-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover, two-time Silver Slugger, and one-time World Series champion. I think most Braves fans remember him from his time with the Metropolitans. Carlos Beltran turns 46 today. Omar Vizquel turns 56, former MLB shortstop. Vizquel was born in Venezuela and was signed by the Mariners in 1986. Made his MLB debut in 1989. Played 24 years, just one-upping each other from 19 years to 24 years in the major leagues. During his time in baseball, he was regarded as one of the best defensive players in all baseball, winning 11 gold gloves. He was a three-time All-Star, time for the highest fielding percentage and consecutive starts without an error by a shortstop in Major League history. Holds the MLB records for games played. I, I imagine played 24 years. Double plays turns and hits by a shortstop. Very successful and long career for Omar Vizquel, who turns 56 today. And Jeff Brom, one of these things is not like the other, uh, turns 52 today. He's head football coach of the Louisville Cardinals. Brom was born in Kentucky, was a high school star in both football and baseball. Was drafted by the Expos. Actually, he is like them. Played baseball, yep. too. In 1989, decided to play quarterback at Louisville instead. The Became Cardinals. Became starter in, there you go. in 1992. This is the only, uh, only college guy. In 1992, was named MVP of the Liberty Bowl in 1993. He would have gotten a ring for that if he was at Arkansas. He went undrafted <laughs> in 1984 and played eight seasons. That was a needless shot at Arkansas, I apologize. Played eight seasons at, at a backup in the NFL. It's true. <laughs> in 2002, got his first coaching job as a QB coach at Louisville. Got his first head coaching job in 2014 at Western Kentucky. Later moved to Purdue. Was hired as head coach of Louisville following the 2022 season. Jeff Brom turns 52 today. Chipper Jones, 51. Carlos Beltran, 46. Omar Vizquel, 56. And Jeff Brom, 52. They make up the birthdays in sports today uh, presented by max credit union we're going to take one final time out here in hour number two back to wrap up the second hour of the show right after this you're listening to the monday edition of sports call on tiger On the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here today. Just three or four minutes before the end of hour number two. We will try and sneeze our way through these last few minutes. <laughs> Tom, are you okay? I think like so. Four in a row right there. I, I'm usually good for like nine. If I if I if that's, I get if one comes out, there's usually a bunch following. All right. Well, I hope that's the end of that, at least for about three and a half minutes. Oh no, there's another one coming. Oh no. All right. Well, all right. Turn you off there. Oh look, nothing happened. <laughs> You're out there listening. Um, so just a few minutes. I want to bring this up because this is a good little short topic. So, in honor of draft week, you got to just overanalyze the NFL draft. You just got to talk all parts of it. And the three minutes I want to do here, this S2 cognition test, it's like Mm. the new are you smart for NFL quarterbacks? I don't know. And more than any of these guys scoring high, what everyone's been talking about is that C.J. Stroud was 18%. Like 18 percentile. So, again, worse than 82 percent of the field. Do you care about that? Does that matter to you? Uh, I care about how smart my quarterback is. So here's how I lay out intelligence. The Wonderlick is kind of the thing that is kind of the basis, and I don't know what his Wonderlick score is. I want my quarterback to be smart. I want my offensive lineman to be smart. And everywhere else, I don't care. It helps if you are, but it doesn't matter nearly as much. Um. You do some some uh, some research into this S two cognition test thing. It's not really legit. It's not a it's not a legitimate factor. Yeah, like, it's not a, it's not a great test. What, it's not what a kinds great of metric. questions do we? I, are they football related? I don't questions? even remember, man. It's I don't know. It's very weird. And if you go deep enough into it, there's a lot more than just multiple choice questions. You know, I don't I don't remember exactly how to describe it. I just know that I don't trust it very much, and I don't think the rest of the NFL does either. The There's a lot of, it seems to be going around this year, of, man, this just isn't a very good draft. The draft just isn't great. There's not I a lot of great players today, in there. Yeah. And I'm going, man, I, I think there are some really good players in this draft. I think C.J. Stroud is one of them. Uh, and maybe it's not super deep. Maybe it's very top-heavy. But I think these guys at the top are going to be really good players. So it, it's very weird to me the the discourse surrounding this year's draft about how there just aren't that many good players. I saw, yeah, I saw one NFL GM, again, anonymous, say that usually they rank if it's going to be a good draft year or if it's going to be a bad draft year, if they only have around 15 first-round grades, 15 Mm -hmm. to 20, and he was saying that they only have like 13 first-round grades this year. I was like, I don't know. I mean, some of it's relative. I mean, it's not – like. It, it, I find it hard to believe that round is only based off of quality of player and not some sort of relativity to the other players because my thought process is if you're going in the the first round to some degree, then you're, it makes you better than everyone else around you in that year. Yeah. And it might be lesser or better than other years, but like for that year, you are a first-round guy. You still, I think, at the end of the day, should be expected to live up to a first round production just because you know it, i like i don't give you a break or, or 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 treat you more harshly because it's a great class or bad class i just feel like if you're picked in the first round you need to be somebody in the nfl more times than not so uh we're going to have a lot more draft 
conversation. That could have ended up going 13 minutes, even though it only <laughs> went three. Uh, but, yeah, C.J. Stroud was incredibly low on that S2 cognition test. Bryce Young was number one at 98%. Uh, Will Levis was up there uh, at 93%. Other guys that are going to be drafted high, Richardson was 79%. Hinton Hooker was only 46%. I don't know. I don't know what it means. Maybe do some of our own research and figure out what exactly – uh, the questions are like how do you cross a, a street or 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 how do you read cover two i don't know i don't know what kind of questions those are but anyway those were the scores and now we're hearing some weird buzz that stroud is not safe to go number two i don't know we're going to break it down throughout the week though we are out of time for hour number two a lot more sports call including some transfer portal talk on the other side of this timeout. you're listening to the monday edition of sports call we'll be back right after this Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy. Fun show so far today. Talked to Kevin Ives about some Auburn baseball. We've had a few phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line, talking a little spring portaling in football. Also a little bit before that last break of this S2 uh, cognitive test that is – now becoming a thing for the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks always take this special test that determines you're smart. So, Brad did a little research. Did we find what exactly the type of question that's on there? So it's is? not it's not really questions. It's more reaction time, and it's not intelligence. It's cognitive ability. I guess is is what they're kind of going for. Which means like, can you perform through distraction? Can you you know you can you focus? I guess and it. Honestly, it looks like the type of thing that, like the the pictures of people taking the test, they're doing it on Xboxes while they have headphones and little blinders on, and they're looking at a screen. So, not to say that it can't be useful for something, but sitting in a chair and holding an Xbox controller does, is not the same thing as playing football. Right. So, I, I I think there can be some merit to this thing. Their their celebrity endorser is Kirk Cousins, who is a quarterback who is not the best quarterback in the world but he's pretty good uh and you know i think there can be something there but i'm not going to put too much stock into it again all of these off-field tests all of these combine performances all of these raw metrics that people put up i think get too much importance when we realize hey we can just watch these guys play football there's a lot of tape on these guys being really good football players and i'm not going to let this dude sitting at a screen and answering a question wrong or not reacting to a flashing light fast enough distract right. me from the fact that I watched C.J. Stroud be really, really good at Ohio right. State. Spidey sense is low, arm talent high. <laughs> and I'm more focused on the arm talent personally. But, uh, okay, so we got a little... We don't need a, ro- don't need a rocket scientist back there, but you right. at least got to have some cognitive ability to 
function. Sure. Uh, what you know, and and if C.J. Stroud ends up being significantly worse than Bryce Young and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, then maybe right. there's something to awesome. it. Awesome, awesome. I don't know if anyone's keeping a running running tally though. That'd be the deep dive of deep dives. If like there's a correlation between how this is actually working yeah. out, but I would love to see is, every quarterback who has taken this. Because like I said, yeah. Kirk Cousins is on their payroll as a celebrity endorser. Right. So I would love to see like a. How many guys have taken this test? Who are the guys? They they market Brock Purdy as one of the guys who scored highly okay. and is now kind of this diamond in the rough quarterback. So, uh, sure. What? Yeah. I mean, I just want to see it play out over yeah. time because um, yeah, you can always hit on one or two. And there can be some aberrations that turn out. You know, early on, you might think you're getting what's going to be a common theme, and it might have actually been the outlier. So you never know. You throw enough at a wall, eventually something, something is going will to stick. stick. Yes, absolutely. We have a lot of draft discussion, though, coming up on the show throughout this week as the draft we get set for Thursday. Also excited about Wacky Wednesday coming up on Wednesday. Truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. will return. There's, yeah. uh, there it is with Mr. Tom Peavy. Uh, also, we've got some fun segments that will debut in the month of May. That we've been working on behind the scenes. So we'll introduce at least two new segments, potentially three, in the month of May as things start to wind down. We start to generate some more content. So we look forward to all of that. In the meantime, we have yet today to talk a little basketball and the semantics of the basketball roster. Also, the uh, just what uh, what the important day that went and 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 passed yesterday, which was the last day to enter the NBA draft. And, of course, Jalen Williams and Janai Broom went and did that earlier in the week. But it never became the decision of Alan Flanagan. He never entered his name into the NBA draft. And so he is now down to two options. Well, I guess three. He wants to quit basketball, but I don't know if that's the option. It's either return to Auburn for another year or play college basketball somewhere else. It will not be a pro app, uh, option for Flanagan. I'm a little interested in that move because he's been through the process before. So I, on one hand, it's like, okay, he's probably heard some feedback. He kind of knows in his heart of hearts if he's actually improved in those areas or not. But at the same time, you always kind of consistent with the current ever-changing landscape of what's desired at the NBA level and how he had a better year this year than he did last year. I would kind of wanted the check. If, if Broom and Williams were checking, I would have wanted the check on any progress that he, he might be making. Again, he is not now, but at one point, he was a late first or early second round NBA draft grade. And I hate it for him on that level because – He's go, he, if he went pro two years ago, he would have gotten picked. Yeah. He would. I don't know if it would have been first round, but he would have gotten picked. And now I can promise you if he went pro, he would not get picked. And right. he would have a very difficult time working his way into the NBA. And so uh, it's an interesting decision for him. But, uh, again, the, the May 31st deadline is for everyone that's in the draft to have the ability to get out of the draft right. by May 31st. But we do know Alan Flanagan will not be going to the draft. It is either come back to Auburn or transfer elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Flanagan uh, was playing his best basketball back then, and then he had the injury. And – after that, he just it really hasn't been the same. He's been it's like he's been trying to get back to that level. A lot of improvements this year from last because last year was he was, was he rough. was pretty bad last year. Um, and so, yeah, I don't I don't know if he's going to be part of Bruce Pearl's plan going forward. I, I'm sure with his ability that they would love to have him stay on. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation out there, but about his future. But right now, that's all it is—a speculation. And most of that comes from the fact that his dad left to take an assistant role at Ole Miss. So, I think the speculation immediately turned towards: uh, Is Allen also going to leave? He hasn't said one way or the other. Um, and then there was all kinds of speculation with the roster. You know, his name was not on the roster, but then it was on the roster. So. I really don't know, but, I mean, he's an Auburn Tiger until he's not. And uh, I think he's a valuable piece to what Bruce Pearl's wanting to put out there, and I'm sure they've probably explained that to him. Obviously, if he says, hey, listen, I want to go follow my dad, or if he said, I just don't feel good here, what, they're not going to – I mean, they can't force him to stay here, but I'm sure they've had conversations with him saying, hey, yeah, you are a valuable piece to what we want to do going forward. Some of these other guys were not a piece of the puzzle going forward, and they are no longer here. You are, however, somebody that we can build this future around. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see. But like I said, he's still an Auburn Tiger until he's not. And as of this moment, as I am talking to you on the radio at 5.10 p.m. on 4-24-2023, Alan Flanagan is still an Auburn Tiger. Yeah, 5.10 Central Time, just for anyone that listens <laughs> well, to that the facts on the podcast. But. Yeah, I mean, Flanagan, the show's going to go off, and he's going to say he's transferring. Right. That's what's going to happen. Well, and, well, and that's and that's fine. But at five ten central, he's still on the team. He is yeah. still on the team. Yep. Uh, and again, Flanagan improved. So to remind you of the actual numbers of the the 2020-2021 season, he was at fourteen and a half points a game, five and a half rebounds, shot forty five and a half percent from the field, shot thirty four percent from three on nearly five attempts a game. I I can envision just a lot of step back threes that year. Uh, having to play some point guard at times. There were uh, oh, a decent amount of turnovers uh, at, at times that year, too. Uh, but last year, he improved really in every category. Ten points to six from the from the previous year. Of course, we're talking about not the, the two years ago. Uh, 10 to, uh, 10.1 points versus 6.3 points. Five rebounds to three and a half. Even a, a few less turnovers, 1.8 to 2.1 in three minutes more a game. And then the efficiency... That, that year in between his really good year and, and this year, he shot 39.5% from the field and 20% from three. This year he shot back up to 44% from the field, 33% from three, kind of along the lines of his year, uh, his breakout sophomore year. So uh, he became a part of that uh, core four of guys, Williams, Flanagan, Broom, and Green, that uh, was kind of relied upon from a game-to-game basis, double-digit scorers. So when we're taking stock, again, I, I know the news broke on Friday, but uh, LeBaron Phylon decommitting was a big deal. Oof, um, yeah. I I want to say this though because I know that that was all that was a top five class that has now dropped way down because it only has one player in it. Um, that situation in the backcourt is still, I think, very good overall. Todd Pettiford is the higher ranked player, even though a lot of people were excited about getting Phylon from the Mobile area, and he was Mr. Basketball. Certifiably really exciting player. 36 points a game, I think, in high school. And 30 is scoring more than a point a minute. Fun. I mean, great. Awesome player. And he probably will be really good. But you've got to also consider what Auburn is bringing in right now. Denver Jones, who has multiple years of eligibility left. Right. Uh, bringing in Aiden Hallway, who will be a true freshman. Obviously, don't know if he'll have an opportunity to be one and done or anything like that, but – uh, big time recruit, want to uh, be a freshman next year. Second year, Trey Donaldson hopefully develops. We'll see how that works out long term. And then again, as I mentioned, Pettiford coming in in that class already. Right. We know that Phylon was recruited heavily 
by Wes Flanagan, who's now Ole Miss, right. and Ole Miss recruited him the first time, too. He might end up at Ole Miss. We'll see. Um, I don't think this is any sort of sky is falling, any sort of negative narrative, because let me also take you back to this, is that Auburn just brought in two freshmen this previous year. Three, but but two for the sake of this example, that they thought would be immediate impact great players. Chance right. Westry, Yoan Traor. In one year, they made no impact, and they are now off the team. And they might make a college impact for someone in the future. I'm not saying those kids are without right. talent and have no future. That, that is not what I'm saying. But Auburn had very high hopes for them, and they should have as very high recruits. Right. And they did not pan out. And so who is to say that Phylon would have panned out? Who is to say any of these guys will pan out? But at the same time, Auburn is already bringing in someone that in the college game scored 20 points a game for somebody last year in the backcourt. Auburn has a guy in Trey Donaldson that played his very best of the entire season in the NCAA tournament. Short sample, get it, but okay, did it in the biggest stage. And then they are getting guys that are of equal or higher caliber in successive classes uh, than file on in the form of Pettifer and Hallway. So my simple response is, yes, I do not want to lose players that talented, but a lot can change in one year, yeah. and Auburn already has a lot of talent coming into that backcourt. Yeah. No, they do. Um, that, the news of Phylon decommitting really that one that one stung. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean it's not sky is falling for every single reason that you said. However, uh, just everything I've heard about that kid it, it has been rave reviews from the folks that are in that Mobile area that are familiar with him or just rave about him. They say that if he was in a in a state that basketball was high school basketball was taken a little more serious, like if he was over in Georgia, played on one of the elite AAU teams in Georgia, that he would easily be a five star and one of the top recruits in the entire country. But because he's in a lesser high school basketball area and he plays on just kind of a unknown AAU team, he doesn't get the eyeballs on him as as some others do. Um, so it kind of stings, but. You know, that's part of the process. I mean, this happens all the time. Uh, I, you know, obviously he came here because of Coach Flanagan, because if you read what he said, it was due to staff changes at Auburn, we have decided to look elsewhere. So obviously, there has been a singular staff you know, change. Exactly. So we know which one it so was. So we know exactly what he's talking about. Um, but, you know, if you're Bruce Pearl and that staff, you go back to the drawing board. I mean, if you if you need to fill that slot, then then you go out and you try to find somebody even better. Uh, no, what what's going to stink is if Phylon goes. Let's just say he goes follows Flanagan to Ole Miss and turns into one of the, you know, turns into John Morant all of a sudden, and it's just like, oh man, we could have had that here. But you never know. It, it, I mean, he could end up being an absolute nothing. It's just that's the risk you take when you bring freshmen in. You know, you you may have the stud of studs, or you may have a Byron Cowart from the football team the number one number one player in the entire country comes here and cries on the practice field when he's getting beat up by walk-ons there's a name i've not heard in a long time yeah byron cowart yep so yeah you just you just don't know but it still kind of stings because heard a lot about him but um just keep keep pushing forward i mean these things happen yeah, I'm along the same thoughts. Yeah, I'd like to have the kid getting Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama would be great. He's obviously a super talented player. Uh, but there are a lot of players in in high school basketball and in college basketball who are really, really good, uh, and Auburn's going to get one of them. So I, I'm. it sucks that you lose the kid, um, but you can replace him. I'm, I'm not going to say super easily because, again, the right. kid's 
really good, but you'll find somebody to fill that spot for sure. Yeah, it's just oh, – go ahead. Tom, well, I, well. I, and I was going to say, this is another kind of a, a very selfish thing from kind of thinking Auburn standpoint as a alum and as a fan. If, if a kid is so easily swayed away from Auburn because a coach left, then it makes me think they weren't here for the right reason, and, and that's the love of Auburn, the love of the quote-unquote family – the love of what Bruce Pearl is doing with the program and things like that. If he was only here for that coach and that coach only, which is kind of what that seems like, you know, then maybe you're not quite here for the right reasons. And I, I understand there's a lot more that goes into it, but I mean, if you if you leave that quick just because a coach leaves, then obviously it was not Auburn that enticed you to come here. It was not the town. It was not the program. It was not everything that is Auburn. Otherwise, that coach would not matter because you love Auburn. Obviously, you love the coach more than you love Auburn is kind of the way I look at that. I know some people look at it that way, but at the same time, the probably most important part of your basketball experience is who coaches you. Well, so sure. therefore, it is very important to you who coaches you. That's why oftentimes uh, in football, guys will flip because of a position coach, not because of the head coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, so, I was I was about to say, I would hate to see what happened to Auburn football if Cadillac Williams got an OC job somewhere oh, sure. and left Auburn. I would hate to see what And would so I, I get that people want to have that in the heads that, like, everyone on campus, everyone at school is here because they love Auburn. And plenty of ki- these kids do. Plenty of it is part of their equation. Right. But there's also several that are going to be like, I love the charisma of – Bruce or Stephen Pearl or your football. I love the charisma of Carnell Williams. He's going to be my running backs coach. He played in the National Football League. He was awesome. He's charismatic. I want to play for that guy. Hugh Freeze, Brian Harson doesn't matter. I want to play for Carnell Cadillac Williams. And some of these guys are like that, and they do that at other schools. It's why these recruiting websites rank assistant coaches' recruiting ability because some of it, some of these guys talk to assistants more than the head coaches. You have to when, when you're oh, yeah. when, when how much you're doing, and so. I, I know that that some people feel that way, but at the same time, that's just not reality of oh, what no. of what it is for everybody. Now, with Phylon again, I will reiterate: I do see everything that everyone else sees. It looks like he will be an incredible player, and yes, in general, you don't want to lose players like that. But I also say a year can change a lot because what if you have two of these three guards in the backcourt: Denver, Aiden, and Trey? Two of those guys are really good next year. Milan would be coming off the bench in year two or in his first year period. And then you don't know what that situation's like. And maybe he'd be great. And maybe that changes. Maybe he goes somewhere where he definitely starts from day one. And that's completely different than him not starting from day one. I don't know. There's a lot of variables, especially when we are more than a year out. But other roster elements to this before we take our first break of hour number three. We will have best and worst of the weekend coming up in a little bit. So we, we found out that Devin Cambridge will not return to Auburn. Uh, he went to Oregon, uh, another Pac-12 school after Arizona State. And so Devin will not be a part of the fold for Auburn. Matthew Cleveland, though, that's the that's now the guy. I think – I don't even know if there's anyone even close as far as Auburn actually recruiting that hard now. After they get Cheney Johnson last week and they get uh, a visit with Matthew Cleveland, this feels like unless something surprising happens – with Broom and Williams, because I'm now operating under the assumption they're coming back. 
I just don't see how they go pro unless they just they want to go the Wendell Green Jr. out of just get your name in there and figure it out later. And so if those two are back, you're down to really Flanagan and I guess KD might still transfer. There's like a I don't even want to put a number on it, but it's fathomable that that decision's not final yet. He might be waiting for one or two more uh, portal decisions. Hell, Alan Flanagan might be waiting to see what Matthew Cleveland does. I mean, if you wanted to connect dots and say, why is it taking so long for Flanagan to make this decision? He might be seeing if Auburn's going to bring in someone that might cost him his starting job. And that's fair to wait for that. So, with all that in mind, Cheney Johnson in at the end of last week, talking hard, have a visit set up with Matthew Cleveland. Are, are are you guys satisfied with what Auburn is doing if or what they have done if Matthew Cleveland joins the fold? Are you already satisfied? What 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 where are you in the process of of liking or disliking how this offseason's gone? Um right now I've I right now I have liked it. I've liked it. Now I would definitely love to see Matthew Cleveland come to Auburn if they miss on him. Then I I if they miss on him, I start kind of getting a little worried. Like, you know, what are you not selling? What you know, what is it that is going wrong that is not being sold? I mean, you couldn't get a guy that has already been here in Devin Cambridge to come back, even though we knew that he was not going to be like a starter. He's more going to be a, you know, a a, a bench role guy. Um, but you you know you miss, if you you miss on him, if you miss on Cleveland, now you've gotten a decommitment for Phylon, uh, even though that's twenty twenty four. They just—it feels like, man, is there is there something going wrong on the recruiting aspect of things? So, I, I would be a little bit worried right now. I'm not. I feel like that Bruce Pearl. Um, I've said it before on here. I think Bruce Pearl realized that what was happening last year and the way that roster was structured—that it was not going to get the job done. It was not getting the job done. It was not going to get the job done, and that it was time to uh, really kind of start fresh and kind of retool and reorganize what he wants that roster to look like for this upcoming year and moving forward. And that meant that you were going to have to get rid of some players. And I get that. And that's fine. I mean, if they, if there's guys like Treor uh, that are just not getting it done, then you move on. You open up that slot. Same thing with like a guy like Bob and Tuda Akinbola, a very highly regarded guy that came in here and he's barely ever seen the court. Well, you know, you need that. You need that spot for for the depth, and so I understand the retooling of things. But if you're going to retool, then you got to be able to be assured you're bringing the guys in. And when you're missing on some top targets, that it it makes me concerned a little bit. Um, I and and you know with the the kid from UAH from yeah, Cheney Johnson, Cheney yeah. Johnson. Um, I I'll be curious to see how that goes. I you know just the. The stubbornness of me is I see that and I'm underwhelmed because it's like, okay, the guy's from Alabama Huntsville. Was he a good player at Alabama Huntsville? Yes, of course. But, I mean, this is a whole different level of SEC. You know, I don't know. It, that one just kind of feels ho-hum underwhelming. Now, if you get a, you get a guy like Cleveland coming in from FSU. He's already played at a high level. He can show has shown that he can score and be a valuable player at a high level. I'm a little better with that. Um, but, I mean, overall, I'm not panicking on anything. I, I felt pretty good about the offseason. I just I'm, – I'm ready to start seeing a little more positivity towards the commitments, uh, a la what Eric Musselman is doing at Arkansas, because 
for any of you out there that want to see a coach that is just absolutely shredding it in the transfer portal, go look at what Musselman has done at Arkansas. Is that's dumb, and and Bruce and, and staff have not been able to do it at that level. And I, I'm I'm curious as to why. You know what is Musselman selling at Arkansas that Bruce can't sell here? I don't know, but he's Musselman selling the bill of goods over there because dag gum they are loading up. Yeah, I, am I satisfied with what's happened in the portal so far? Absolutely. Do I want to see more guys join? Yeah, I, Matthew Cleveland would be a massive pickup at a, a big position of need. I'm interested to see more so what happens with Jalen Williams and um, Janai Broom. I expect both of them to be back. Uh, especially Broom. If Jalen Williams does go, I think you need to bring in another three or four. Yes. You know, another another guy that can fill that spot. I like the addition of Cheney Johnson. I feel like that is supposed to be more of a bench role, more of a depth piece than anything else. Um, but hey, maybe he surprises us. Look, anybody who can shoot can shoot. I don't care what gym you're shooting in. You know, and he shot. I think 38% from yeah, three last 37, uh, close to whatever. Yeah. Uh, really good Mid shooter. To upper 30s. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yes, as well. Uh, I, I think he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a good shooter and shooting translates. Um, now it, it's every other thing, you know, I feel like that uh, will be harder on him. And does that affect his shooting? Probably. But I think he's a good player. I, I think he could come in and start and surprise some people, but I don't expect him to. Yeah, the key is having enough wing depth three yeah. at the three and four to not need him to start or play like twenty five minutes a game. Like if start him out with a ten to twelve minute roll, and then if he looks really good and he's athletic and he's bouncy and he's still hitting threes, then his role can increase. But I just think that trying to rely on someone from that level would be not indicative of the position that Auburn as a program should be in after what they built the last five or six years i think it is interesting to note that if they don't end up with matthew cleveland or someone of a similar significance and they do return flanagan and they do return williams and broom and heck i keep forgetting this guy chris moore still a person still on the team last year yeah uh and then katie johnson guys this is basically the same team with one or two parts that are different i mean that is kind of a i want to say run it back we use that too often and it's not entirely true but that it will be more of a add-on, an addition to last year's team, more so than any sort of reshaping right. or, or you know redo it, just anything like that. Because you would be looking at, I mean, pretty much everyone uh, that mattered except for Wendell Green Jr. And again, no offense to Zep Jasper, but he just could not shoot this year and just right. did not offer anything offensively. It's pretty much the the same team with instead of Wendell Green Jr. a bigger role for Trey Donaldson. Here comes Aiden Hallway, and then Denver Jones to be the complete opposite of Zepp. Where I don't know what Denver will give you defensively, but he's going to give you buckets offensively. Right. So it's going to end up being a very similar team with maybe just one or two slightly better components. Uh, if they don't now, if they bring in Cleveland, Flanagan leaves. You know, then we start or to KD leaves. Yeah, or you, K, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have sure any of a number of things happen. There's there's still some things that could change it, but I think what we're starting to see is is very is probably the most the most probable outcome is that this team will not look vastly different. Right. Okay, it is no longer looking like this team could will just change almost everybody. Right. It's looking like it is going to be a lot of last year's guys plus one to three. One to three key additions. Yeah. And there's already one in Denver Jones. We'll see what Aiden Hallway brings. And then someone like Matthew Cleveland 
could be really key into what they do, end up starting, and this, that, and the other. Right. So well, go ahead, Don, uh, before we take a break. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm saying we're, we're uh, you know, we're kind of nitpicking over things with the roster right there. It could be worse. It could be Alabama. Alabama men's basketball transfer Jaquan Walton was arrested Saturday night after Tuscaloosa police found him and two others in a vehicle on Reed Street with marijuana and multiple guns. Uh, Walton was uh, at Wichita State and transferred to Alabama. Yeah, he's a month. pretty high scoring, high guard. scoring kid yeah. from. Uh, he's from, originally from Pike Road, Alabama. Uh, transferred to Bama from Wichita State about a month ago, and now he has already been arrested with marijuana and multiple guns. So, Rotad. Oh, I hate to hear that. Wrong place, wrong time. You know, yeah, that's exactly. where the thing goes. But um, <laughs> uh, we have to take our next commercial break. Uh, we, When we come back, best and worst of the weekend, we'll start to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Stay tuned. More Sports Call coming up after this. want to call into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brand Daughtry, and Tom Peavy. Monday's show starting to wind down here. One final segment here where we will kind of finish things up. And first, we want to, as always on a Monday, if we have time, which we certainly do today, we want to get to a best and worst of the weekend. Here we go. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. I will lead us off with a best. I think this one would be pretty obvious. Uh, had a great time at the wedding of Brooks Childress and now Grace Childress. Uh, fun to say that for the first time out loud. Uh, Brooks uh, has always been a dear friend. I uh, got to be a part of his wedding and uh, very blessed and very excited for him that everything went so according to plan. And I know that that probably happens a lot of the time for weddings, but he had an outdoor ceremony. It was mid seventies and sunny, perfect weather. Um, so grateful uh, to be a part of that, and uh, you know, very happy for Brooks. He's now going off on his honeymoon. He is on his cruise ship now, as we speak. He deserves a wonderful week with his new bride, and uh, very excited for the life he will build with with him uh, himself and and Grace and. So just very excited to be a part of that, a uh, best of the weekend, best of the month right there uh, for, for Brooks. Very happy for him. Absolutely. Congratulations to the both of them. Uh, I'm going to go sports-wise with the best, and, uh, you know, Auburn batted sports. Uh, you know, I, I can't really point out to either one of them because they were both such huge series wins for both of them. Uh, and, 
you know, it's awesome. You know, that Auburn softball takes out Alabama, a team that has been a thorn in their side, been a thorn in most people's sides around college softball, but Auburn takes them down. And then, of course, Auburn baseball with the series win over Mississippi State in a kind of desperation mode type uh, series win for them. So uh, very happy for both of those. Definitely a best for that. Yeah, my best is going to – I'm also going to Auburn sports. Uh, I'll, I'll focus specifically on softball, taking two out of three from Alabama. First time you've beaten Alabama in a series since 2018. Uh, first time you've won a series in Tuscaloosa since 2017, I want to say. Uh, and it's only the second it's, time ever that they've won a series in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, a great performance from them, specifically Matty Penta uh, starting the final two games in that series. Going seven, go, going a complete game in both of them, and uh, giving up only two runs over a combined fourteen innings. If you have not seen uh, her post game presser from uh, from that one, she did it on the field, and uh, I, I believe the Auburn softball Twitter account uploaded it. If you haven't seen that, go watch it because it is just sheer joy from from her and from uh, the Auburn softball team standing behind her, and she gets dumped with Gatorade after it, and it's it's great, it's fantastic, and and you know. Alabama softball is so freaking good, and they have been for so long. Um, uh, uh, Montana Fouts, the starting pitcher for Alabama, she's been she's a graduate student now. She's been there forever, and she's so incredibly good. Has a career ERA under one and a half. Uh, and for Auburn to go out there, and for Maddie to outduel her in that third game, and for Auburn to get a win off of her is such an incredible thing. And uh, it was just it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I was actually in studio here for that game three and it was uh, a wild ride for sure it was a key series win for both teams for various reasons for baseball to try and stay in the NCAA tournament picture and then for softball uh, depending on what poll you're looking at some of them starting to come out today they are now in the top 16 in at least one poll that I saw today uh, from the D1 softball Top 25 being 15th, Alabama being 16th. Of course, top 16, not necessarily how they rank in a poll, but top 16 seeds host. And so 16 is kind of the magic number for the Tigers. They're at least in that in one ranking, and uh, that was a, a huge series victory. Two straight huge series victories against LSU and now Alabama for Auburn softball. All right, let's, t- let's become negative Nellies. Time for a worst of the weekend. Tom, you want to go first? You seem like sure. you. Yeah, I mean, I've got, well, I've got mine pulled up here. Oh, I'm not excited because <laughs> it's a worst of the weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, the Braves bullpen was absolutely atrocious in the series yes, against the Astros. Uh, in nine and a third innings, Braves bullpen gave up 16 hits and 12 runs, 11 of, 11 of them earned, and blew two saves. In the process, as the Braves get swept by the Astros, and the first time the Braves have been swept in a series since May of 2021. Yep, yep. That's a long time of going without a being swept. But the Braves were swept, and like I said, the bullpen, a uh, big, huge part of that. Like I said, nine in the third inning, 16 hits and 12 runs, 11 of them earned, and two blown saves. Woof. Not good. First time bullpen had struggled like that this year, yeah. and maybe feeling the effects of not having McHugh and Iglesias. And maybe also though credit to Houston. I mean, Houston's obviously one of the best yeah. teams, They're the defending world champions, and I mean they've got a loaded roster. So yeah, they can hit the ball, but dang, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. So give some credit to Houston for the for their offensive output late in those games, but 
man, you'd just like to see the Braves kind of put away a few of those batters instead of just getting shelled like that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Tom and I have both the best and worst of the weekend. I was also going to say the Braves. Uh, statistic I found today, in innings 7, 8, and 9 of those three games, the Braves were outscored 11-0, to zero, and both, yeah. both of those numbers Ooh. are a problem. Yeah, uh, not being yeah. able not being able to stop them, hold them late, and not being able to score late are both uh, not ideal. So that that is going to be my that specific stat is going to be my worst of the weekend. Very fair. My worst of the weekend is just the continued injuries and suspensions and everything in the NBA playoffs. It has very uh. been very frustrating that some of the game's best players are being marred with injury some of these series. I know Giannis Antetokounmpo's missed two straight games. He will return, thankfully, from Milwaukee tonight, but he is one of the game's very best players. Got news today that De'Aaron Fox has a, uh, a fractured finger and uh, is now doubtful for the continuation of what's been an excellently fun, that's not a word, but a incre- incredibly fun Warriors and Kings series. And there's been others. I saw a major injury to Victor Oladipo, torn patellar tendon. I know he's not one of the key players for Miami, but torn patellar tendon just absolutely sucks. Uh, and, again, there have been others. And Beads missed a game, injury now to a role player in Minnesota. Kyle Anderson won't play game five. Um, uh, and obviously the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard missing the last two games, Paul George not playing at all. Just so many injuries of significance, and I've probably forgotten one or two, so many injuries of significance at the most important time of the year. Uh, I, I could make this into a spiel about how load management is ineffective and, and does not work, but more than anything, it is just very frustrating when the postseason time comes. We know injuries happen, but I will forever say turn them off. I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them at all, and I hate that these teams are having to battle through them. And, and by the way, it happens to everyone. Everyone gets these cycles where they benefit and they uh, they struggle because of them. And, again, it never ceases to suck when, when these sorts of things happen. So my worst is the continued injuries in the NBA playoffs. All right, just a couple minutes left in the show today. Time for a nightly TV guy before we get out of here. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. First up, some hockey. The New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers, 6 o'clock on ESPN. That series going back uh, to New York. Our our final game in New York, I should say. Rangers lead it 2-1 as uh, they play game four tonight. Also, Game 4 in Tampa. Toronto Maple Leafs go to Amelie Arena to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Toronto leads 2-1 after scoring in the final minute of Game 3 to force overtime, and then in the final minute of overtime to win. They took a big one there, so they look to take a commanding 3-1 lead against the Lightning in Tampa. Again, that one will be on TBS at 6.30. At 6.20, Bally Sports South, Land Braves, Miami Marlins. Hopefully the Braves can fry up some fish and get back in the wind column. 6.30, TNT Brooks. Thank you. I know you can't hear it. <laughs> but he finally put some NBA playoffs He out. better not be hearing us right now. Uh, Milwaukee, yeah, he, he shouldn't be. Maybe he listens to the podcast next week, though. He won't. 6.30 on TNT. <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks, Miami Heat, game four. Heat lead 2-1. But Giannis is back. And I'll throw another one on there. 9 o'clock, Lakers-Grizzlies game four. Lakers lead two games to one also one movie pick at the very normal nothing to see here time of 636 
The Wolverine on Sci-Fi. Great movie. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom, I remember when you used to give us some TV picks. Do you have any TV picks right now? Anything that you're watching? Not, Bill Bill Bailey was always the one that would give the those TV picks. He did, but you'd be it. watching something on like History Channel uh, or, yeah. or, or something. Um, I, honestly, uh, tonight's a work night. All so, right. Not I, tonight, you know, then. Yeah. Yeah, tonight's a work night. Tonight's a leave the studio, go home, grab another quick nap, and then work long hours tonight. So. Well, nap well. I um, hope. Uh, <laughs> I hope work goes by quickly. I, I'm. Yeah. Thank I you. Do. Thank you for being here today. Hopefully, I don't walk into a, a busted pipe, flooded bar like I did yesterday. That would be preferable yeah. if it did not happen. But thank you for being here today. Absolutely, to you enjoyed it. Grant, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again later this week. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we thank uh, Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter for joining us on the show today. And, as always, we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Grant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.